The Start On Demand. On demand. Vaccine uptake in schools. How many staff will have been vaccinated by Sunday's deadline? Some of the numbers are shockingly good. Squid Game, the popular show on Netflix. It's prompted at least one Winnipeg school to send out a warning to parents. We'll tell you why. Should we be upset about that first Winnipeg Jets loss? And doctors have a new prescription. Go outside. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, October 14th podcast for The Start. McGarry and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us today on 680 CJOB. And today is a special day. As mentioned yesterday, it's one of the most important days of the year for our friends at Silo Mission. It's an event called Knickers and Kickers. It's been going since 2015. Our entire Chorus Winnipeg family is going to band together once again. 680 CJOB, Global Winnipeg, Peggy at 99.1, and Power 97 to collect new underwear and socks, Greg, for Silo Mission. Listen, Brett, uh, you know I'm a little bit of an underwear snob. Underwear, <laughs> uh, this is true. You know, I... I, why, I why does Brett know this? Like, why because is, I've discussed like, this on the air in the past, Loren. Maybe you've not been part of these conversations, but, you know, good underwear is a part of my repertoire. I like underwear that fits right and that is clean every single day. And let's face it, not everyone in our community has that advantage to go into the top drawer and just pick a clean pair of underwear every single day. They may not even have a top drawer. Uh, My mom used to iron my underwear for me every once in a while. And let me tell you, that's a luxury. And we're trying to, you know, trying to bridge the gap in our community big time. And this is an opportunity for us to do that. You know, when you put on that clean pair of socks today, think about how you might take that for granted because not everybody can do it. It's wet outside this morning. And if you're experiencing homelessness right now, this is an issue every single day. Clean socks, clean underwear. So CJOB, Global Winnipeg and Silo Mission are getting together as we do every year. And it's because of you, because you respond to this, that we're in our sixth year of this endeavor. So um, staff members from Silo Mission and volunteers will be set up safely socially distanced in the parking lot at Kildonan Place Mall today. The focus is underwear this year. Socks aren't needed as badly as they have been in the past. So if you want to make a donation of new underwear or socks, the choice is still yours. You can do so in person between noon and 6.30 today. But if you'd rather donate online, we can accommodate you there as well. Silo Mission Amazon Wishlist. It is up and running at Silom.ca. In about an hour's time, we're going to visit with Silo Mission just to talk about, you know, how are their clients doing this year? How are some of Winnipeg's most vulnerable faring, you know, in this pandemic as we hope to get out of this fourth wave and, and then head into winter, man? Like you, you talked about socks. You know, basically from now on for the next five, six months, a day's not going to go by that any of us don't put on socks in the morning, let alone 
or underwear. And you talk about the dignity that comes with that. You know, you go on a trip or you go camping or, or anything. You might, you might uh, say to yourself, I'm going to not worry about what I wear for clothes this week. Or I'm going to relax a little bit. But you always want to have that fresh pair of socks and underwear. It's the mm-hmm. thing that makes us feel better, mm-hmm. makes us feel clean, makes us feel a little bit more like ourselves. It's the thing that gives you dignity, and that's what's missing from the conversation for so many. So, yes, the primary focus is adult size underwear from for men and women. So we'll find out what's going on there from Salome in about an hour. But we also want to give a shout-out to Chud's Power Sports because, again, they're going to have their truck on location. They want to fill that truck. Get that truck full of donations so they can bring it straight to Silo Mission. So a big thank you to Chuds and their support for Knickers and Kickers. And of course, if you need an added incentive, Brett, to uh, donate, if you enter online at Silom.ca, you can be entered to win two tickets to see the Blue Bombers. So that's an added bonus. And just also a note there, uh, if you do donate to the Amazon wish list, uh, donations won't be entered for the bomber tickets there. But uh, any generosity that you wish to show today silo mission and its clients will be greatly appreciated so thank you in advance because manitobans always come through we do want to switch gears here uh, and just kind of recap the big story from yesterday because after more than 19 months of allowing only the most essential trips across the u.s land border a break is coming loren for vaccinated canadians looking to let loose and there's so many of us on that list just looking to maybe shop, do something different, to get over the border for a tournament, visit families, whatever. And that's coming soon. So the White House is saying starting sometime in November, they're going to have a phased-in approach for lifting restrictions. Of course, there's some key questions, especially for travelers with vaccines not approved by the U.S. government. Global's Reggie Cicchini explains. It was a decision that cost the U.S. economy billions of dollars aimed at protecting Americans. Now, more than a year and a half later, the land border closure is coming to an end, sparking a return to non-essential travel. Next month, anyone attempting to cross the border from Canada or Mexico will need to have a full COVID-19 vaccination and be prepared to show that proof to border guards. For essential workers who have had free access to the border for more than a year and a half now, they will be given a grace period through January to get their shots, at which point phase two will start up, meaning everyone will have to be vaccinated to cross, essential or not. The move is in line with a recent change that allows inoculated foreign nationals to fly into the United States and comes after mounting pressure from lawmakers whose economies rely in part on cross-border tourist dollars. I think that this border should have been opened five months ago. Just do the right thing. It's not ideological, it's commonsensical. Now, with vaccine mandates coming, testing requirements will also end for U.S.-bound traffic, and some members of Congress say they're urging Canada to also do away with the rule, calling it a barrier. Ultimately, what we're seeing here is a policy shift based on individual risk rather than a blanket ban on certain countries. Meanwhile, the CDC is also still formalizing a process for those with a mixed dose or a non-FDA authorized vaccine like AstraZeneca. Deputy Prime Minister Christopher Freeland says the two countries are working together to come up with a solution, but ask Canadians to not rush the border. We are working to clarify and finalize all the details with our American partners. Just try to do the things you need to do and maybe hold back on doing the things that you just want to do. And that's because cases in the United States while dropping are still relatively high at near 94,000 per day. As for the actual date of reopening, it's still in flux and only said to be early November. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. I just want to mention this quickly because I just spotted it at Global Winnipeg, uh, globalnews.ca slash Winnipeg. The headline, 
It's a heartwarming story. Winnipeg's f- Winnipeg family's reunion with missing cat two years later. Mm. A Thanksgiving miracle. Maggie the cat disappeared in October 2019 and popped up two years later. How about that? That's awesome. Oh, I love uh, Where can I what read this? What was it doing? I didn't, need the life story of this cat, like I, a made-for-TV <laughs> movie of maybe tomorrow I'll we'll want to settle down. What's the Disney? That's just going everywhere. <laughs> it's like the little Sobo, or maybe yes, what, what was the Disney movie? That's what movie? I was thinking. An Incredible Journey? Was incredible that the, Journey? Yes. Yeah, yes. Maybe the cat went or on they, a, an incredible journey. I think Fred Penner should write a song about this. That's <laughs> I know it's a long shot, but... <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, the full details at uh, globalnews.ca slash Winnipeg, and I just retweeted it as well, uh, at Brett McGarry, if you want to read more. Nice little story to put a smile on your face, especially given what happened in California last night, Greg, because the Anaheim Ducks scored on their first shot of the game. Uh, I shouldn't laugh. That just makes me think I went to a Bomber game a couple of years ago when uh, they were playing B.C., and the Lions beat the Bombers like 50 to 3 or something. It was a massacre. And the, the Lions scored on the first play from scrimmage. It was my first game at IG Field. And I just started laughing. And my buddy says, I uh, shouldn't be laughing right now because uh, that's annoying. But I couldn't help it. Anyway, so that was my reaction to see that the Anaheim Ducks scored in their first shot of the game and added a second first period goal as they handed the Winnipeg Jets a 4-1 loss in the first game of the NHL season for both teams. Well, unlike that Blue Bomber BC game years ago, the Jets came out firing on all cylinders and did everything but score early in the game as they outshot the Ducks 11-1 at one point in that first period. The Jets' power play, 0 for 5 on the night, as the, and the penalty kill gave up two of the four goals against. Not good. Last season, the Jets did have an excellent power play, 7th best PP in the league, and uh, their 17th best penalty kill, sort of uh, picking up where it left off last season. It clearly wasn't the start to the season. Uh, the team or its fans were looking for head coach Paul Maurice comments on the impact special teams had on the game. You know, we, we have five straight face-off losses on the one goal, and that's, that's in the back of your net. And if it's not, it, it, uh, you just can't have that much time. Uh, I like their power play. I like the chances that we got. The, the mentality of putting the puck to the net. I think they made a couple of big saves, one on Josh, uh, clearly. And then our, you know, our penalty kill probably got what it deserved. We, we ended up in our end, in structure, uh, far more than we needed to be. And really, the, there was some d- more dangerous stuff actually later. I didn't think there was a lot early. We were just in our end. So those pucks that get kind of lifted to the net, the two tips, those are, those are the things that you will expose yourself to like I've been saying to my kids, you know, you got to get the bounces or something like that, trying to explain it to them. But defenseman Josh Morrissey echoed the sentiments of his head coach, really just saying the fact that special teams are a huge part of the game. Special teams can, some, you know, win or, win or lose your game. And I think especially, uh, you know, we're trying to focus on having a really rock solid PK this year and uh, a couple tip goals, I believe, um, you know, so we can maybe do a better job with some sticks. But um, yeah, a night you go you don't score one on the power play. It's always frustrating, but I think there was a lot of good things there. As you said, we sort of worked all our options and had some good looks, and you got to give credit to Gibson as well. He made some big saves um, on those power plays. So, um, again, something we can build off of and, and continue to improve on. 
You heard Morrissey mentioned there, Anaheim goaltender John Gibson. Uh, Gibson and Jets goaltender Connor Hellebuck are shoe-ins to be part of the U.S. Olympic team in Beijing. The only question is about who will be the starter, although I know Hellebuck has already said a few times it's way too early to start that conversation. There's a lot of room to go until we get to the new year. But, Greg, if you're looking at that game last night, I think it's uh, safe to say that the unofficial first round of this who will be starting goaltender for the USA Olympic team goes to Gibson, uh, especially early 33 overall saves to lead his team to the win. Yeah, Gibson made some tremendous saves, even put himself in a hole, took a tripping penalty himself. So the Ducks will be here a week tonight for the Jets' home opener. The Jets' season opening three-game road trip continues in San Jose Saturday and wraps Tuesday in Minnesota. Jets forward, as we told you yesterday, Jets forward Cole Perfetti made his NHL debut last night. His parents, Angelo and Sandra, did make it to Anaheim in time for the game. We left uh, Whitby at 4.45 this morning, Eastern Standard Time. We almost missed our flight because customs, the U.S. Customs was so, so backed long. up. Yeah. You know, we literally, Gary Drysdale, Jamie Drysdale's father, he was on the flight as well, and he he, he, he actually held, held the plane for us because he told the, the, the pilot, literally told the pilot that Cole was... Cole's parents were on their way and they were going to miss the game. And and then the, the pilot actually did a little thing on the plane saying, you know, that welcome. For Congratulations. Over. Yeah. Yeah, it really so it was nice. kind of cool. Thank you to Winnipeg Jets Twitter for that audio. Perfetti had just under 10 minutes of ice time and did not have a shot on goal for the Gents. Once again, Brett, not the start they wanted. Two points they may regret letting slip away later on in the season. <sighs> Deep breath and on to San Jose Saturday night. Already saying they might regret letting those points slip yeah. away. Yeah, I said it yesterday. Two points in October are just as critical as two points in April. And if you're thinking about competing for first place in your division, two points against a team you should beat, you're, you're, you might regret them. The, the fans definitely will. It's like the Jays, man. It all came down to the end, right? Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't think way back in April they'd be worried about those losses, and they were at the end of the game, so or end of the day. So, yeah, I, I hear you. It's still too early to get stressed out. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Spending time outdoors in nature is free to anyone. And who doesn't like free? And it's now being prescribed by doctors in Manitoba. Global's Abigail Turner has more. Manitoba healthcare professionals now have a new prescription option for patients as COVID-19 continues to weigh on Manitobans' mental and physical well-being. And it all starts with a trip outdoors. Any licensed Manitoba healthcare provider can now prescribe PARX, known as a nature prescription. It was initially launched last November in BC, expanding to Ontario and later Saskatchewan, making Manitoba the fourth province to use it. Anna Cooper-Reed spearheaded bringing the program to Manitoba and says there's many benefits to spending time outdoors. I think we have a climate crisis right now. I know in the prairies we experienced a lot of forest fires over the summer and of course COVID. We need to be spending time outside and research shows that folks who are more connected to nature are more likely to protect our planet. But beyond that, time spent in nature can improve your health and well-being, reduces stress, increases lifespan, improves heart health. There's many benefits to spending time in nature. Any licensed healthcare provider can now prescribe the nature prescription. That includes doctors, pharmacists and nurses. 
Abigail Turner, Global News, Winnipeg. All right, so doctors prescribing getting outside. So let's have a chat about getting outside. Specifically, what do you like to do in the fall outside? And do you have an associated story? Maybe you have a fun story of something you've done, a funny story, or maybe just a complete fall fail story of trying to go out and play outside. We got two tickets up for grabs, November 27th, Club Region Event Center. Let's go around the horn here. Cameron Poitras, let's start with you. Uh, well, my favorite thing to do outside uh, in fall is is just go for a walk. I mean, it's you're not you're not sweating buckets like sometimes in in the summer. Like I have to walk to my car for like you know like for the, it's about a thirty minute walk every single day, and uh, in the summertime it can get pretty brutal. But you know I never have that problem uh, in the fall, and I, and I I like I like it cold. I like it a little bit cold out there. Uh, I don't I, like this is probably like if I would prefer like winter state like around this temperature. I, I would enjoy winter a lot more. But I, I I like walking in this sort of temperature. I think is perfect. Nice crisp autumn walk. You got it. Well done, Jeff Forte. What about you? I'm right there with Cam. I love my. Walk. Walks. I love going on adventures and seeing what's out there. I saw a skunk the other day right by my place. Oh, lots cute! Of, well, not really. It kind of freaked me out. I was like, "Don't spray me! Get out! Get away! Get away! Get out of here!" They are adorable. I love the smell of skunks. Oh, you're, you're disgusting. I mean, not like if, I don't want to be directly sprayed, but I like passing like down a road and smelling that. It's a lot of adventures off Henderson Highway uh, in your <laughs> neck of the woods there, no, there, really Forte. there really is. Apparently, they make wonderful pets, Forte. Well, yeah, if you de-skunk them, de-stink. Yeah. What is it called? De-skunk? Get the skunk out get, of them. Get out of here, skunk! <laughs> A skunk and a raccoon, you'll be laughing. Oh, I, I, did, I did see a uh, dead raccoon the other day oh, along, along Henderson oh, Highway. Thanks for bringing us down. I know. Well, someone had to. Jeff Braun? I'm with the boys. I'm all up for a, a nice fall walk. I, I go walking sort of year-round, maybe not on the coldest days in winter or anything. But uh, like Cam, when it's 30 degrees in the middle of summer, that uh, going for a walk is more of a chore than a relaxing thing. So in the fall, it's especially nice. And, you know, of course, with the leaves changing colors, that only adds to the beauty of everything. And Loren McNabb? First of all, can I just say, no one's upset about a dead raccoon for real, are they? Aren't they just vermin? Sorry. Oh my gosh, Lauren, I have a video to send to no. you. No, you're not going to tug at my heartstrings Raccoons make that incredible one. pets, by uh, the no. way. R.I.P. to stop. Bert the raccoon. Exactly. <laughs> okay, well, if we're going to go on a walk, <laughs> if we're going on a walk, you have to detour to go into the leaves. Like, I'll do that on purpose off the sidewalk when I see a pile of leaves because I love that sound. I don't think there's a better sound than that crunch. Yeah, we, I, I, sometimes uh, if I'm outside and I'm like, let's say I'm on a golf course, I'm walking in a park and I see there's a massive pile of leaves or the leaves are all piled up. I will go out of my way to like kick my way through those leaves. Yes, you have to. Yeah. Although sometimes the leaves are so damp in Manitoba. I remember the first time I went to Edmonton, I've never felt crispier leaves i just couldn't stop playing in the leaves and i was 22 years old my buddies are looking at me like what's wrong with you this is fun the lack of humidity in alberta i think lends itself to dry crispy leaves we're gonna start calling you cyril sneer uh (laughs) loran why because of my hatred of raccoons i just like i just don't i just don't think that's an animal when you see it on the side you're like oh a deer sure i feel sad about that porcupine oh they're so cute raccoon you're like have you ever seen the raccoons Come on. He's probably going through someone's garbage. Bob Cole's calling the game. You know what I mean? No. Uh-huh. 
Backling, what about you? Well, you know, I, I love uh, Buns Creek Park this time of the year, walking through that path, all the different colors, the sights, the smells. I did a walk along Lindale Drive the other day, the city skyline in the background. Uh, but I'm always reminded of growing up in Brandon and uh, taking a walk in the Brandon Hills this time of year. Ooh. There's just nothing like it. And driving, when I used to go drive to see my mom in Killarney, driving through Ninette and you go down into the Pembina Valley. Oh my gosh, just uh, nothing like uh, those breathtaking views of the uh, leaves changing colors. You know how they talk about going to New England in the in the fall to see the foliage? Yeah, there's lots of foliage, fall foliage to see in these parts as well. Is there any word that has the, because New England, whenever I look at those pictures, I'm always the blown reds. away by the red. Yes. Is there no. anywhere in Manitoba that has the red? Not really. I don't think. I can't, I'm trying to remember which tree it is that but that was my first thing in living on Ontario for about four or five years like they have a different kind of tree <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I don't know which one it is plurals Ar- but... Arborist Loren McNabb oh Loren I have a question for you in by touch the with way. nature with both trees and raccoons <laughs> follow me for more tips why do um why do trees take naps oh, no. I don't know oh, no. for rest Oh, oh. <laughs> terrible. That was terrible. Wonderful. That was terrible. Yikes. <laughs> I love it. You got any more? That's from listener Don. He sent that at three o'clock this morning from Blind River, Ontario. Oh, so wow. I can't even take credit for it. But I know it was directed to Loren, and clearly she did not see that in the text messages. Well, this I'm not morning. looking for, I don't know what he's doing at 3 a.m. He's <laughs> driving. Send it in tree jokes. <laughs> he's like, Loren's going to like this in about six hours' time. Don <laughs> sends us pun jokes every single morning in the middle yeah. of the night. Yeah. Uh, for me, what's I- a tree's favorite dating app? Tinder. Timber. Timber. <laughs> okay, sorry, Brett. For you, what is it for you? Amazing corn. And I know yes. that they every year there's they, they, they say, like, we're open sooner than fall, but it is jam-packed in the fall. And it's just, it's a neat place to be, especially as you approach Halloween, because it's kind of spooky and, um, you know, it, it, depending on the conditions, because I have gone there when it has been damp and the, 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 the ground is outright mucky. But it's just such a fun place to be, and I think just the combination of the spookiness of October, it's a really perfect setting. Plus, they've got their haunted forest, which I've never actually been able to get into because I always end up getting there too late, and it's sold out, and the lineup to get in is like two hours long. But yeah, I love it there. It's been a couple of years, and I have not yet conquered. They always have a scavenger hunt, and uh, I, I've never been able to conquer the scavenger hunt in the, the corn maze. So that is my, oh. like, a life goal of mine is to defeat... Amazing corn. If well, I'm feeling defeated by our listeners because they're all coming at me. It's the maple tree that has red leaves, and I should apparently know that. Well, I don't it's know. It's it's Canadian maple. It. Hey, it's I the have Canadian a ma- maple. Loren, I have a maple tree in my front yard, and <laughs> that didn't really yeah. click in for me. So. I, I, you, I couldn't even tell you what the tree is in my front yard. It's a tree. Small town salute, and this morning we are going just outside the perimeter to a community which was part of the city of Winnipeg from 1972 through 1992. Yeah, so it was in 1992, the now rural municipality of Headingley came into being when a majority of its residents voted to secede from Winnipeg in November of 1991. Since then, 
The community has transformed dramatically, and this morning we head to Headingley to learn about life in the community and its community foundation, Loren. So according to the website Headingley Community Foundation, it's a collection of funds and resources given by caring citizens and businesses citizens and businesses that have chosen to help make their community a better place to live now and in the future. So to tell us more about the foundation and, of course, how Headingley is celebrating this fabulous fall season, we welcome the vice chair of the Headingley Community Foundation, Jill Ruth. Good morning, Jill. Good morning. So we're familiar with foundations like these because the Winnipeg Foundation, which is actually Canada's first community foundation, was established 100 years ago, back in 1921. And of course, there are all sorts of different groups across the country now. First of all, do you, do you know when the Headingley Community Foundation was established? Yes, it was established in 2015. So we're very young as foundations go. So six years ago. Six years ago. So what do you do? Well, what we do is we really just connect the community with the causes that are important to them. And we uh, promote uh, through philanthropy. We create partnerships and support diverse charitable organizations. that are. So we try to make community dreams come true. And, uh, and of course, all part of that takes money. So we raise money and we put money into uh, permanent endowment funds. So that whenever someone donates money to the Heavenly Community Foundation, uh, we never spend that money that they donate, so it lives on forever. What we do spend, though, is a portion of the money that's raised through the interest that it earns. And so that is always given back to the community in the form of grants, and uh, different organizations will apply for a grant. And, uh, of course, we have, you know, every year it grows, so and every year does the, the amount of money that we can grant out grows. So we have to uh, accept applications and then, we go through the applications, and we we uh, try to always give everybody that applies some some of the funds. So it's uh, sometimes a balancing act, but uh, we have uh, really like accomplished a lot in the six years. And of course, we plan to go on as long as the Winnipeg Foundation has. They're a great uh, example of how well foundations work, and um, and uh, we we work actually pretty closely with them from time to time. So you know, take advantage of the all the. Uh, uh, education that they can give us. And uh, we've been very pleased with how our community has come together to help us out and, and uh, to help each other out. So you've given the people of Headingley pumpkin to talk about, so to speak. <laughs> it's the uh, the Great Pumpkin Challenge. What is all that about? Well, our chair, um, Georgia Talio, she uh, had this idea in the spring watch, which is a uh, I think it was on the first week of June, which is a little late for getting planting planting pumpkins. But she uh, acquired 200 seeds and distributed them throughout the community. We did a Facebook post about it. Anybody that wanted the seeds, they, they make uh, t- get in touch with her. And so um, they, the, the community went to work, started planting their seeds, and uh, ironically, well, it's not really I'm a little bit sad, but. But kind of cute. A lot of them got eaten by deer over the years, over the months, because um, we have a lot of deer population here in in, uh, in Italy, and uh, they're very sweet. But they do like to eat uh, things in the garden. Uh, so we only have, I think, about fifteen actual um, pumpkins to judge, uh, which is going to happen next week. And uh, so we're looking forward to that. And then we've got some prizes to give away. Uh, although, you know, from the buzz in the community, there's not too many people that it's all about the prize. Most of it's about, the, you know, the, the family getting together and working together in their garden and watching the pumpkin every day. 
So before been sweet. Uh, no doubt about this. Now, Jill, uh, before we let you go here, Headingley has really changed over the past two decades or so. What do people like about living there? Well, you know, it has a, a real rural flair. Um, we um, the community is quite tight, and uh, we do a lot of. Well, we used to do a lot of uh, in person events. We don't do that many right now, but. Um, but we've been able to stay pretty close uh, together through, uh, you know, sharing on Facebook and things like that and uh, reaching out. Um, but, you know, I think it's just, it's rural, um, you know, I don't know, it's hard to put your finger on it. The people, for sure, makes a huge difference. But, uh, you know, the lots are large and people have gardens and we um, kind of uh, treat each other, each one, each neighbors, everybody knows their neighbor. In fact, they probably know everybody on the street and potentially everybody in the you know five or six streets around you. Uh, the community uh, club is uh, very active, and uh, and a lot of not-for-profit organizations flourish in our community. So it's it's really a, a great place to live. Jill Ruth, vice chair of the yeah. Headingley Community Foundation. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. This sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, it is. And thank you very much for the, the call. Got a lot of text messages this morning from listeners concerned about the play of the Winnipeg Jets. One listener saying this is not the same team we saw last year. Uh, the, it looks like they it was the first time they've picked up a stick in months. Greg, that doesn't seem to jive with what you were how you were describing their play. Now, admittedly, I only saw the first period of the game and can go by what's been reported by the the folks that I trust that watched the game last night. And uh, really. A lot of people saying, look, John Gibson uh, played outstanding in goal for the Anaheim Ducks. The Jets came out flying. They were uh, 11 to 1 ahead in the shot clock at one point in that first period. They were all over the Ducks and uh, Anaheim scores on their first shot of the game. And then I think scored on their fifth shot of the game. And uh, Connor Hellebuck, uh, by all accounts, not really responsible for any of the goals. The first one was from an odd angle, but his, his sight of the puck was completely blocked by a Jet and a Ducks player. And then it was uh, that second goal was uh, just, you know, just a, a, a work of a hard work or a, an example of hard work by by the Anaheim uh, rookie uh, player of his first goal. Youngest Duck, I'm trying to think of his name off the top of my head, but he's the youngest Duck to, to ever score a goal goal in their franchise history so no it doesn't jive with me no I don't like to to lose uh, to to anybody as a fan of this team but to to suggest that uh, the Jets were completely off the mark and uh, didn't uh, weren't ready for the game I don't know if I'd I'd buy that 0 for 5 on the power play they had chances there the penalty kill did uh, hurt them substantially though two uh, goals scored by Anaheim last night that's that can't continue that's how they started the season last year their their penalty killing was atrocious to begin the season and then got quite good actually uh, as the season wore on and dave uh saying about Halibuck, he lets in so many easy goals and he handles the puck like a live grenade, it's not dependable goaltending. Well, I don't know, a Vesna Trophy and a runner-up uh, as a Vesna Trophy finalist, uh, I would suggest in the last four seasons would would debunk any uh, concern about Connor Hellebuck as a goaltender where Dave and I do 
agree. <laughs> Jackie yells at him all the time. Helly, get back in your net. <laughs> <laughs> I he like handles, goalie like that. He handles the puck. Uh, if you've been watching the Jets for a long time and in, in the NHL's uh, uh, first version of this club, goalie Bob, Bob Essenza, Handled the puck like a hand grenade at times. Uh, Hellebuck's not quite as bad, but it is reminiscent of uh, number 35, Bob Asenza. He's nomadic. He likes to move around. Nomadic. He's not stuck in- yeah, he likes, he likes to get out there. <laughs> yeah, he should just stay in his doesn't want to stay. He doesn't want to stay in that little box. Mm-hmm. He's like, let me out of this box. I can go in a corner. Mason go Mc- to the Ma- corner. Mason McTavish was the name of yeah, the player I was trying to come old. up with. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. So you you like it when the goalies uh, venture out, Loren? <laughs> no, not really, but it's fun. Like when it works for you, it's fun. Ah, because oh. part of you is like, don't hang back, get out there. If, you know, and then you, they get out there. You're like, what are you doing? Get back! <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see adventures in goaltending, go to a Manitoba Moose game. Moose goaltender Mikael Burden is absolutely famous for his puck handling abilities. Uh, every once in a while, he does mishandle the puck. He even has a, a goal uh, to his credit, uh, and into an empty net as a as a Moose player. So, oh uh, wow, yeah, take in the Moose if you want to see a like goal. Show Hextall. you how to do it. Oh yeah, Ron Hextall. He had two or three goals in his career. I think he had three. Well, yeah. flaws aside, it's a long season ahead. And now, Mr. Forte, it is time for the sounds of the game. It's the Jets and Ducks. And it's coming up next. You're listening to Winnipeg Jets Hockey. The regular season is upon us. Squirts back toward the line. Fowler will keep it alive. Shot came in. Back in. Shot rebound. They score. The puck was in motion the whole time. Fired the board with the whistle. We have a goal. So Mason McTavish will get the goal. And it's 2-0 Anaheim. Connor out of the far side. Dubois across the line for Wheeler. Cutting in. Here's side for Connor. Shot, he scores! Kyle Connor on a nifty three-way passing play. Wasted no time to the top of the net. And Winnipeg has a goal. It's 2-1 Anaheim. Back for Schmidt, slap shot, stop, rebound, and what a save! Gibson on Morrissey, what a stop he dove out and kept it a 2-1 hockey game. Finest save of the night, and he's faced 23 shots. Down into where the corner, nice little move there. Winnipeg will break out three on one. Pop down the left wing boards. Pop into where the slot for Morrissey moving in, shooting, stop, rebound, and it's stopped as well by Gibson. On the rebound on Lowry after the initial shot by Morrissey. John Gibson has been the difference in this hockey game tonight. Again, Getzlaff will let a shot go hit the side of the net. Getzlaff peels it off the wall for Drysdale. Moving in, let a shot go, he scores. Power play goal. Might have been deflected. Largest lead of the night now for the Ducks is three. It's 4-1 to one Anaheim. That's where it finished. Cam Poitras will have more at Jets at noon. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, if you are a direct health care provider, teacher, early childhood educator, someone in justice dealing with the public, or anyone working in corrections, the clock is ticking on the requirement to be fully vaccinated or undergo regular testing. Yes, so the deadline to be fully vaccinated is Halloween Day, October 31st, but because Two weeks is needed to pass after that second dose in order for you to be considered fully vaccinated. The deadline to get that second shot is actually Sunday. And testing in many departments on that list, like healthcare, childcare, 
and more. Loren is supposed to start Monday, October 18th. Yeah, so we're working to get some clarification on which departments this applies to, who's ready. The deadlines might be slightly different depending on where you work, but we're working to check in with as many places as possible, not just to figure out the rules, but figure out what the vaccine uptake is. And that begins with our schools. We put it in an ask to about a dozen different school divisions. Here's what we've found out. Hanover, which is the division that includes Steinbach, while it's working on getting me the info, just west of Hanover in the Morris area, the Red River Valley School Division says about 89% of its staff is actually vaccinated already. Asks have also gone out to Garden Valley, which is the division that includes Winkler. And Brandon, it did share with me that it's not sharing its data due to a promise it made to staff to not disclose vaccination status. I've uh, asked them to reconsider that stance because we have heard from other school divisions. As I mentioned, Winnipeg, we've heard back from three so far. More than 96% of staff in Louis Riel division are vaccinated. I think it's 96.5. 98% in Pemina Trails and Seven Oaks. And Brian O'Leary is the superintendent for Seven Oaks School Division and joins us now. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. So you had shared with me that 35 out of 1,500 staff members are asking for testing. So again, that's about a 98% vaccination rate. What's your reaction when you got those numbers in? I had said about an hour ago, I was surprised it was so high. Were you? Uh, no, I, I, I think uh, we've been working uh, throughout the pandemic. Um, every time the, uh, they announced eligibility, you could almost hear a, a, a a cheer go up in staff rooms. Uh, so people, uh, you know, teachers are fully supportive of this. There's a small number of our employees that uh, have opted for testing. Uh, but but I think uh, uh, people have been living with this and want to get back to a more normal life and certainly more normal life in schools. And their action to get vaccinated really contributes to that. And let's face it, Brian, uh, no one is uh, in contact with more potentially unvaccinated people themselves than those who are teaching uh, students that are under 12 years of age. And so teachers are really on the front lines of this. Is this a self-declaration, Brian, or was proof of vaccination required? Uh, we, we required uh, uh, proof from people, just the... the um, uh, you know, the vaccine card or the QR code, um, uh, or if they were on a path to getting vaccinated, uh, just checking in with us and showing us uh, their, their um, uh, shared health results. So, uh, but people have been really cooperative and even on the testing, uh, um, we, we've started to roll it out already and have actually, you know, for a lot of people, we're two weeks into it. Uh, we'll start to have more pointed conversations with some of the people who are still reluctant. So with the just to to clarify the the vaccination deadline for school staff it's October 31st that's for full immunization so the deadline I guess is October 17th to get that last shot Yeah we we've we've got a number of staff that are on their way to getting fully vaccinated um that would be you know, another you know 40 or 50 people um and we're tracking them and they're uh kind of updating us uh and then there's 35 who are um, I, I guess the best term is still vaccine hesitant, uh, and they're undergoing testing. So you mentioned testing is already underway or in part underway. Brian, can you explain how that's working? Does the staff member show up to the school and get the test? Do they have to go to one of the testing facilities beforehand, rapid tests available? Like walk us through the process if I'm one of those 35 that are not vaccinated at this moment. If you're one of the 35, we have you attend kind of an orientation, and um, we have a, a nurse 
uh, walk you through how the test works and how to conduct it. You watch a video, uh, and then you take away a test kit. And people test themselves. Uh, you need to have a test that's no older than 48 hours uh, when you're facing children in school. So uh, people would test Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. Um, and on Tuesday and Thursday, uh, we set up there's a supervised test. Uh, so people are being supervised um, uh, for it once a week, doing it on their um, on an honor system uh, twice a week. Uh, if anyone tests positive and no one has yet, uh, then they need to go uh, to um, one of the shared health test sites uh, and, and have the PCR test. We're using the, uh, the rapid antigen test, which is um, a very gentle test. I mean, it's just a, a Q-tip uh, just barely inserted into your nose and rubbed around a bit. Uh, and it's a pretty easy test to, to self-administer. This feels like a, a, a balance to me in terms of accommodating those that, that aren't ready to have the vaccine. And, and obviously those people are still valuable members of, of the teaching community and of the education system. What kind of questions are you getting from parents about the vaccine, vaccine status of staff, Brian, before we let you go here? We've got about 30 seconds. We haven't had a lot of questions. I, I think we've assured parents that uh, we'll be in full compliance with the public health order, that almost all staff are vaccinated. Um, there's still active masking in schools. We've had very few cases. And again, the, 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 the best thing for all of us, and you can certainly see it evident, Winnipeg is a high level of community vaccination. And sorry, uh, Brian, the cases, I just sorry. want to quickly jump in. Who's pay, who pays for the testing, though? Is that still the division cost? Got, you know, where's it, where's the funding no, coming no, for that? They, they've been supplied by the province, and then okay. the the, uh, the nurse we have supervising is uh, is is uh, a division cost. Brian O'Leary joining us live on six eighty CJOB. Thank you very much, sir. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a good day. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Reminder, we've got Don Amaro tickets to give away. Don Amaro and the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra. That's for the October 22nd show, so we'll give those away in our next segment. And then at 9.15, we've got tickets to see Took at Club Region Event Centre based on your text messages and the stuff that you like to do outside in the fall. And if you've got an associated story to go with that, like Kristen, who says, one, I am so disappointed at the raccoon hate. It hurts my heart. Because Loren doesn't like the raccoons. <laughs> Most people don't. And I feel confident in saying that. Let's make a Twitter poll. I suggested uh, making that the question of the day. Should, uh-huh. the, should Manitoba's raccoon herd be called? And the <laughs> options would have been, yes, they are vermin. Or no, and you're a monster for even asking. Uh, but uh, we, we're going a different route this morning. And the second story is... Corn maze is my favorite fall tradition. Uh, our group, which we refer to as the Poo Crew, does an annual pilgrimage. One year we didn't pay attention to the uh, the mud warnings, and the pathways were they were a mess. Um, there were trenches dug in as uh, I guess they tried to drain it, but it didn't quite work. And I've been there when it's been muddy. It, there's nothing they can do when it gets like that. We clung to the corn stalks in desperate attempts to not fall in. We passed other groups who had just accepted their fates and were just crawling through the mud on their hands and knees like it was an old war movie. So that sounds like fun. Sometimes you just got to embrace it, right? When what, the weather sucks. What was that mud race that used to happen here in Manitoba? It was a fundraiser. Oh, the, the obstacle course. Oh. What was oh, it it's called? just the mud run. 
Mud Run? Is that and it? I've done it. Yeah. It's awesomely awful. Okay. Like Mud Hero? Does that Mud sound Hero. right? Mud Hero, yeah. And you do like different obstacles, but at the very end... You climb to the top of this. I mean, there's mud everywhere. Like, they deliberately wet the course. But then they also create a giant mud pit to you climb to the top of this thing. And you slide into it at the end. And then you are covered. Like, I'm talking I was Q-tip and mud out of my ears three weeks later. Like, I was sneezing. Mud would come out of my nose. It was awful. I mean, but the you kids had fun. thought it was fun. It was fun in the moment. But as soon as you land in that mud puddle, like, where you're buried, like, you are under the mud water and then pop back up. You're like, why? Why? But it's fun, and it's for a good cause, and uh, you don't really have – it's one of those runs where you don't really have to be a runner. There's one – to get dirty. There's a donkey run or something, too, it's called. Dirty donkey, I think? Something like that. Yeah. Anyway. uh, Lots of fun runs out there. A hundred percent there are. Uh, Question of the day, by the way, that is up on our website at cjob.com. That went up yesterday afternoon for Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Captain Kirk – uh, William Shatner just went to space for the first time. If you got a free trip, would you go to space? And we have 60% who say no, just no. And 40% say yes, definitely. So lots of adventurous Manitobans out there. You can still cast your vote on that, but we will be changing it soon as it pertains to conversation we had last hour about uh, provincial uh, staff who need to be vaccinated. The deadline is approaching. Right now we want to ask the question, are you watching... Squid Game on Netflix? It is a Korean show, South Korean show, but you can watch it with uh, lousy English dubs if you'd prefer. Uh, oh, here's another question. Are your kids watching this show? Because the show is huge, biggest ever Netflix show. If you don't know what it's about, it started on September 17th, and it focuses on this desperately indebted group of people in South Korea who are first tricked into a deadly tournament of children's games, like Squid Game, that's a game over there, but then many of them volunteer to come back, realizing the games may be their only chance to win the money they need to survive. And I watched it, Jeff Brown watched it, and the Couch Potatoes loved it, but, uh, whoa, kids watching it? Sounds no, 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 that's no, a hard no. That's a hard no. It sounds like they are, regardless, and maybe more concerning. I've seen this pop up on my Twitter timeline now. Uh, since you pointed it out, I think that's what happens once you click on one of these stories, Brett, is you start to uh, be funneled and the algorithm sends you to these stories or they put them in your timeline. I'm just going to read this Squid Game is causing concern among adults after children have begun imitating the series games in the school play yard. Uh, This is a whole new take, rather, blah, 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 on Manhunt, Loren. The kids love to play Manhunt. Manhunt or Man Tracker or all the rest. But, you know, we wanted to ask this question this morning about, like, if your kids are watching it and how you monitor what your kids are watching. Because uh, we received a note that was actually sent out to parents of kids in a school in Winnipeg, in the northeast corner of Winnipeg. And they just wanted to let parents know that kids in this elementary school weren't just talking about 
it at recess. They were actually playing games that they had created out of the show. And they sent this note to parents saying, like, just so you know, um, this is the show's not, in case you didn't know, the show's not appropriate for children under 16. And you may not be connecting the fact that the comments and the games their children engage in with violence and sexual content of the series is turning into a whole host of new problems and, you know, creating to maybe some of that replication on the playground, schoolyard, and at recess. And so, you know, I had friends who came home and said to me one day, are you watching Squid Game? And I said, no. They said, oh my gosh, my, my child came home the other day, asked to watch it. This kid is, is 13 or 14, I think. And so the mom thankfully sat down and watched it with her. And about seven minutes in, was like, this is, uh, we can't be watching this. But, you know, how often does your kid might go to the basement at a certain age? Or, you know, maybe they watch on a, on a device that you're not always monitoring and you don't realize until much later what they what you just allowed to happen in your own home no question about it um we have the different sign-ins on our netflix accounts so you know if my kids are dumb enough to sign in under my account or click <laughs> on my icon i can see all the stuff that they've been watching and normally they're they're behave they're not doing and looking at stuff that i i don't typically approve of but yeah i can just click on the icon for each of the boys that we have set up and then i can very easily check on all the things they probably know how to erase that though i suspect oh yeah i wouldn't know how to erase that uh, i think yeah because a lot of the i watch mine through my smart tv and there are settings that you can access but a lot of the settings have to be changed on a computer like for example when netflix loads uh, when I'm scrolling through, it, it does that automatic preview thing. Mm-hmm. That's I hate right. It. Oh, you I don't like it. that? Hate it. And uh, because I just want to scroll peacefully. I don't need you to force the trailer upon me. If I want to watch the trailer, I'll watch the trailer. Okay. But it just does it automatically. You can change that setting, but you can only do it from a computer. So I don't actually have a computer at home. I just, I do everything on my phone. So I would have to, I keep thinking I got to do that at work one day Great. But I always forget. Now I have to check the browser history to see if they've been on Netflix.ca <laughs> to change that stuff. But what is the concern here, Brett, in terms of the imitation of, of some of these games? Because I know, I don't want to give away too much, but the tug of war, for example, like these games are to the death, are yes. they right. not? Yep. The point is to, like, you, you fight to, you, there's a piggy bank, right? And you have to get the prize money inside on display, and then you basically kill each other to get that money? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. You, every game, uh, X number of players are eliminated from the game, whether They're they... are not actually dead, to be clear. You could, like the actors? Yeah, like it's a, I just want to be clear to the listener. It's not an action. You're not actually watching a live Hunger Games Co- type situation. Yes. Correct. This is, fic- this is a fictional show. But yeah, so the, either, the, either the players kill each other... Or they are eliminated by those hosting this dastardly event. And part of the thing is some of the games just there's no way that kids could recreate this because uh, the tug of war is takes place from a very high tower. I, I'm struggling to imagine how they could even possibly uh, do that. Um, and other games are t- take place from even higher up. But still, just the idea of... Kids watching Squid Game, it's a super violent show. Like, it is not a happy show. It is a dark, very violent drama that's meant to sort of, it's meant to be like a metaphor, a showcase for the class divide, the the economic divide in South Korea. The things that these contestants will do for money because their their lives are so bad. Like, how, how far are you willing to go? In other words, are you willing to go back to that life? 
now that you have the chance to win this $40 million, do you want to go back empty-handed? Or would you rather fight, like, literally for your life to win this money? Okay, so this is a far cry from playing Charlie's Angels on the playground at uh, Isaac Brock School back in the day where, you know, you would declare yourself Bosley and then nominate your Charlie's Angels. I don't know, remember what happened after that. <laughs> but in terms of the squid games... And what happens here, like, can you, can they opt out? Because I've seen the preview, mm-hmm. and so you've got these hundreds of people, they're in these barrack, barracks-like place where mm-hmm. they're sleeping all in one giant room. Can you opt out once you get to that point? Um, I don't want to give away too much, but there there is an option for them to leave, but a certain series of events has to occur okay, in it. order for that to happen. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it's a... It, don't let your kids watch Squid Game. That's- it's 16. <laughs> Bottom line, the, the age is 16. And I, not that we all follow that. I've certainly, you know, P, the movie might say PG-13, and and I'll watch it and then let the kids watch it. But in theory, like not in theory, in practice, it sh- we should be avoiding it, especially for the younger kids. I think part of the issue, though, here is, and I've been guilty of this, it's it's not, you might want to call it lazy parenting, but you get busy and someone comes home and says, can I watch this show? And you think to yourself, hang on, I want to check it out. And we try so hard to check out the ratings. And even, you know, my husband will play the video game first to make sure the video game is or is not what we think it is, but then they'll say, well, so-and-so plays it, and this person plays it, and that person plays it, and as the list grows, you just think, ah, to heck with it, go for it, and then you make that mistake, because halfway through, you realize this shouldn't be played, shouldn't be watched, or what have you. Yes, it's with a title like Squid Game, it can't be bad. Well, there's a squid. Squids are cute. No, they're not. It must be adorable. Isn't a squid a super deadly animal? (laughs) I think so, yeah. And uh, the Squid Game, by the way, probably going to be the most popular Halloween costume Ah. uh, this year. Oh, yeah, I bet. Uh, We're getting lots of feedback here, including one text here that says, my husband and I are on episode four of Squid Games. My kids will not be watching it for a few years. I do know of some kids as young as nine watching the show okay well episode four is the, the most intense i think by the way i loved it i loved the show it's just super dark and super violent and not for everybody and definitely not for kids and uh if you see them trying to imitate the games maybe tell them not to mackling mcgarry and McNabb, if you are a direct healthcare worker healthcare provider teacher early childhood educator, someone in justice dealing with the public, or anyone working in corrections, the clock is ticking on the requirement to be fully vaccinated or undergo regular testing. couple of dates here to keep in mind. The deadline to be fully vaccinated is October 31st, but because two weeks must pass following that second dose in order to be considered fully immunized, the deadline to get that second shot is actually this coming Sunday, meaning testing in many government departments as well as child care, health care, schools is supposed to start on Monday. That's October the 18th, Loren. Yeah, just days away. And so there's thousands of, potentially thousands of Manitobans impacted by this. Those who either had to disclose their vaccination status or, or those who are choosing to be tested rather than either show the status or, or be vaccinated. And so we're asking all these departments this morning, as many as we can, can you share with us how many of your staff members, what percentage of staff are vaccinated? How many tests do you suspect you'll have to administer? on a you know regular basis whether that's two three five times a week depending on what they choose to do and so we've got a bunch of requests out including to schools greg you made the great point in the last hour that you know schools 
especially those in the elementary, are the ones who are on the front line with the unvaccinated. Anyone under 12 doesn't have the option to be vaccinated right now. So there are parents who might have that question out there. Huh, I wonder how many staff members in my kid's school have or haven't been vaccinated. So I put an ask out to about a dozen school divisions, every single one in Winnipeg, and then a handful of rural ones, including Hanover, which is the division that includes Steinbach. It says it will get back to me with some data. In the meantime, if you go just west of Hanover, the Morris area is under the Red River Valley School Division. About 89% of staff members there are vaccinated. I've also put an ask out to Garden Valley, which includes Winkler, and I'm still waiting to hear back. And we had said that Brandon did say to us, we're ready to test, we're ready to go, but we're not going to share with you a percentage. They're saying they don't want to do that because they promised staff they wouldn't disclose any personal health information. There really is nothing personal here. We were just looking for a percentage, so I've, I've pushed back a bit on that. But meanwhile, in Winnipeg, I just got new numbers about 20 minutes ago from the River East Transcona School Division. So 97% of staff there are vaccinated, 96% in Louis Riel, and then in Pemina Trails and Seven Oaks, 98% of people are vaccinated in those divisions. And so we spoke to the superintendent, Brian O'Leary of Seven Oaks, just about an hour ago, 35 of 1500 workers are choosing to get that test. And he explained to us how it's going to work. We have you attend kind of an orientation and um, we have a, a nurse uh, walk you through how the test works and how to conduct it. You watch a video uh, and then you take away a test kit. And people test themselves. Uh, you need to have a test that's no older than 48 hours uh, when you're facing children in school. So uh, people would test Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. Um, and on Tuesday and Thursday, uh, we set up there's a supervised test. Uh, so people are being supervised um, uh, for it once a week, doing it on, their, um, on an honor system uh, twice a week. Uh, if anyone tests positive and no one has yet, uh, then they need to go uh, to um, one of the shared health test sites uh, and, and have the PCR test. We're using the, uh, the rapid antigen test, which is um, a very gentle test. I mean, it's just a, a Q-tip uh, just barely inserted into your nose and rubbed around a bit. Uh, and it's a pretty easy test to, to self-administer. Who pays for the testing, though? Is that still the division cost? You know, where's it, where's the funding no, coming no, for that? They, they've been supplied by the province, and then okay. the the, uh, the nurse we have supervising is uh, is is uh, a division cost. So, listening to Brian O'Leary there, I would say, well, my first reaction when I heard him speaking on this was, boy, they've got their stuff together on this. They've really got a solid plan. They've implemented things in a fashion that seems to make sense to them. And as an outsider, Brett, I would say it makes sense to me, a reasonable approach. Now, there is a little bit of a caveat with with my opinion on this. I, I'm not certain that my feelings on this would be exactly the same if the percentage of vaccinated teachers and educators was more closely mirroring the overall percentage in the overall or general population. But because these numbers are so high, I feel as though this is a tremendously reasonable approach in order to keep as many people working in education as possible. Do you think the the fact that they're going to have to do the regular testing might nudge some more people, Greg, to... Get the vaccine? Well, based on uh, uh, the PCR test that they're going to be, that's right, Loren, right? It's the it's the yeah. PCR that they're doing. Uh, it's maybe not quite as invasive as the regular test. If it was that other test. one? I think if it was the, if it was the regular test, 
I think it would it would push even more to it. This might not necessarily push as many people to rent, especially A, since they don't have to pay for it, and B, because it, it's not nearly as, as invasive. I've had that test that you get done at the COVID test sites done now three times. The second time was just because the first one was inconclusive and I had to go back again. Oh. And I was furious about that and, and, and then and I was not happy about that at all because it, it's 10 seconds or eight seconds of your life in that moment, but it's not comfortable. So if I had to do that three times a week, I think that might be something that would push some people to say, forget it, let's just go get this vaccine. The other thing listeners are asking about, Brett, is just about the cost. And the government had said it would pay for the cost of these tests. And then you heard uh, the superintendent there say that they are also bringing in a nurse uh, once a week there and so that the division is incurring that cost whether it's the division or government it's the taxpayer that's paying for these tests and so some listeners have had questions about that but but i think if we're paying for tests overall for everyone in this province right now regardless of status then right now i'm okay with the taxpayer put, footing the bill for this very small percentage of people at least in the school system let's see what the percentage is elsewhere well that's our question of the day that's been updated at cjob.com and on Twitter at 680CJOB, it's for Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Testing starts Monday. COVID-19 testing starts Monday for government workers who are required to be vaccinated or submit to regular testing. Who should pay for it? Province or unvaccinated staff? Cast your vote, cjob.com. Like I said, it's up on Twitter as well, at 680CJOB. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we are asking you for two tickets. Club Region Event Centre, November 27th, to tell us about the stuff you like to do outdoors in the fall because Abigail Turner brought us that story about how doctors can now prescribe getting outside to help with your mental and physical health. And Eve GMAC with a fun story, something involving a certain kind of party. Yeah, my favorite thing to do outside in the fall is a campfire with beers. The fire keeps you warm. The grass and garden doesn't need attention. The bugs are dead. And lastly, the auroras are possible and make a great sky party. Well done. Well said. Well painted, Eves. Well done. I'm surprised we didn't get more of that. As soon as I read this, I thought, right, bang on. The fall fire is amazing. And he's right. There's nothing better than being like, can't do anything for these flowers now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got, got an eight or nine more months before I have to worry about this again. And it's nice to not have to worry about bugs. Yeah. Uh, I, we, mentioned, we sort of quickly mentioned it earlier, Loren, but I figured I'd flag it because uh, Ray is from Minnedosa. What did Ray suggest? Well, apparently he sent some pictures of uh, beautiful trees in Minnedosa as well. When COVID started to make us stay home, we developed a cool spot by the river near a house for a fire pit and sitting area and have been able to connect with nature at the same time. So much going on in and near the river that we never noticed before. So now we go on a day in the valley. We cut firewood in the fall. This is a blast. We have two non-functioning clocks set at 5 p.m. So it's always 5 p.m. by the river. We will use the spot all fall and much of winter, our happy place. It is 5 o'clock in Minnedosa right now, apparently, according to Ray's clocks. So Excellent. he can have his bevy. So, and I guess this red tree that he was talking about, or that he sent in, very nice, Ray. Thank you for that. Uh, must have been either the the Ammer maple, and I still don't know if I'm saying that. It's either Amur or Ammer, A-M-U-R, or the, the Japanese maple. Uh, that Cat and Gimli was suggesting they're a bit smaller than the, the, the Canadian maple, but they're heartier 
in our climate. So, uh, because those trees just don't grow in uh, Manitoba, the, the Canadian maples. So, it's according to our uh, Mick, I think is our winner. And this this uh, made me chuckle because Mick says our family homestead south of Winnipeg has a two-acre garden where 120 years of vegetables have fed many of us. My mom always had at least, at least two to three times too much of everything. We used to spend several days uprooting potatoes with a pitchfork, filling countless 50-pound sacks. The really fun task always came after the killing frost because the excess cucumbers... (laughs) (laughs) They're like pop cans. They had a tendency to explode when dropped. (laughs) So we used to lob them like grenades into the bush. (laughs) I love this. (laughs) How'd you like that? You're just sitting on your porch. Some kid runs by and throws a frozen grenade at or a frozen <laughs> cucumber at you that explodes. Yeah, that uh, knocks the heck out of knock knock ginger, or uh, you know, leaving the the, uh, the the paper bag of a certain excrement on the on the step Whoa. on fire. Have you have you uh, you know? Not that I ever played that game. You saw that in the movies, though, right? <laughs> yes, of course, of course. Just in a movie, right? Greg? We never did that in the West End ever. <laughs> so, congratulations, Mick. You are going to see Tuke. November 27th, Club Region Event Center. Tickets are on sale today, by the way. They just went on sale today. The pre-sale was yesterday, on sale today. But we do have one more pair of tickets to give away tomorrow, along with another pair of tickets to give away for Don Amaro with the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra. (music) Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Scar. Just one more... I think I said scart because I we got a text from Scott on the subject of the the trees with the red leaves and yes. Scott first time texter says the autumn blaze maple turns red in the fall says he got two for his yard from Ron Paul Garden Center autumn blaze maple cool name I would get that tree just oh. for the name oh it's beautiful yeah oh it's absolutely beautiful so, Scott, thank you very much for texting us at the start. <laughs> we appreciate that tip. Uh, but right now we want to talk about how, hey, it's gained momentum, Loren, as a movement in recent years in the, our city and province. And that moment, momentum gained a lot of steam over the pandemic, and that is Shop Local. Yeah, we've been hearing that a lot over the past two years. We heard it in around different uh, holiday periods where people might shop more. And, and I think you're already hearing it as we head into I don't want to say this holiday season because it is only October 14th, but yes, people like to shop early. And so this weekend, if you're looking to shop local, the best place to do that just might be the Red River Exhibition Place because that's where the 25th annual Scattered Seeds Craft Market will take place. It includes dozens of makers and vendors. And joining us now is Deb Schwartz, CEO of Scattered Seeds. Good morning, Deb. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. And, you know, this first question seems sort of obvious. You know, we don't ask anymore why support local, but I think it's interesting that you probably started this movement. Your group started this movement well before that really became a phrase, shopping local. So how did you guys get started, Scattered Seeds? Yeah, I think that's probably true. Um, Well, we got started um, a long time ago in uh, 19, somewhere around 1985, I guess. I come from a long line of kind of crafty people and my sister um, around that time and I were taking some folk art painting classes from a woman called Rose Tanasichuk 
And probably a lot of your viewers would remember her because uh, she had a shop on Portage Avenue and she would teach um, folk art painting classes. And so Rose was quite the entrepreneur herself and she had a passion for folk art painting, which soon developed into what was affectionately called by many at that time as the decorative painting disease. It was a contagious yet rewarding affliction that would affect so many people, including my sister and I. So um, my sister was a stay-at-home mom, and she was looking for a way to make a few extra dollars at Christmas. So we gathered together some of our other crafty friends and family and decided to have a craft sale. Uh, Funny story, before the internet, there were fewer ways to advertise, of course, and I would make notes and put them in the kids' Halloween bags when they came for (laughs) trick-or-treating. It worked. And before long, we had over 600 women tracing through our house uh, shopping for our crafts. So this started in your house. Like, this is direct marketing at its (laughs) finest, Deb. Wow. (laughs) Yes, in my house. Started in uh, my kitchen, kitchen, and we moved it. Over the years, it sort of morphed. It moved into the living room and then into the dining room. And I think at the end, we had a cafe <laughs> along with the crafts. And we got to meet a lot of really great people. It was, it, was really, it was really rich and wonderful for us, an experience. But obviously, it grew out of, it all grew my home. And uh, at the same time, as the show was growing in my house, our family was also growing. I had four children within seven years. So my life was crazy, and the craft show uh, had to had to move. So in 1995, we gave it a name and moved to the Transcona Country Club. Um, but it was a great location, but the uh, parking was not. And the next year, we moved to the Assiniboine Downs. We stayed there until, until 2010, and then uh, the Red River X built a new building, and it was all on one level, which made it easy for makers to move in and um, set up. And so we pulled up our roots and moved across the parking lot, and we're still there to this day. So you're doing two weekends this year. Uh, why is that? We are doing two weekends, and the reason for that is because this year, as you know, uh, marks our 25th anniversary and um, because of COVID, uh, we haven't really been able to plan the party that we had hoped for. But we still wanted to find a way to at least celebrate a little bit. So uh, I came up with the idea to have two back-to-back shows, each with its own set of new makers. Uh, there were a couple of ideas behind this, one being that we are lowering our building capacity this year so that it's a safer way of allowing more customers to see more talented makers. And the other idea, just because it was fun and uh, a way to mark our big birthday that feels appropriate for these times. You know, uh, Deb, I have a couple of friends who are entrepreneurs and and my parents own a small business. And so I very much understand this desire to make sure that the dollars stay within the community. But this pandemic, we've so many of us have turned to online and the obvious place to shop online seems to be those bigger stores, right? Or or the Amazons of this world. And I'm curious what impact that might have had on some of the local vendors that you work with. Because they're also, in tandem with that, has been that push to shop local. Hey, remember the local businesses. You can get their goods online, too. And so has there been an impact, good or bad, either way in this pandemic of of just the way we've been shopping? Well, yeah, I think 
probably good and bad. Um, you know, things have changed a lot since since we started. Like I said, I was putting notes in kids' Halloween bags. But, um, I mean, the, the Internet changed everything. We didn't have the Internet back in those days. And so now, you know, people have the opportunity to market themselves and, you know, with Instagram and um, different social media platforms, like there's certainly ways to get things out there. But I don't think that it replaces the face-to-face interactions. And I think if, if this pandemic has showed us anything, it's the importance of gathering and um, getting together with people that we love and care for. And um, sorry, I'm tearing up now because yeah. I know so many, so many times we hear that um, scattered pieces become, oh, sorry. It's okay, Deb. You've yeah, been doing this for sure. 25 years. You've probably helped dozens upon dozens of Manitobans uh, achieve their dreams of being able to sell their wares because these markets like yours give them a place to actually set up shop, so to speak, because not everybody, I, I imagine, can afford a storefront or can afford, or has the time to to do this. Maybe it's something they just do on the side, but you give them a way to be able to introduce themselves to say hello to, to Winnipeggers, to Manitobans, and without uh, you and people like you, they wouldn't be able to do that. Oh, thank you. I was all I was also thinking that it's important, and we've we've heard from so many people how it's become a tradition for them. So they get together, you know, with their now probably grandmas and maybe even great grandmas that have been coming to Scattered Seeds, you know, for twenty five years, and now their grandkids are coming, and and some of these people, you know, have been in our show years ago, and now their kids are in our shows, and uh, it's just a real honor and. Um, a real blessing to be able to say that. Wow, Deb, uh, you've got us all emotional here just imagining what's going on in your head right now because, you know, I think Brett said it uh, most eloquently with regard to the uh, the platform you've created for these makers, for these entrepreneurs. But, you know, uh, the word craft show, my, my grandmother, my late grandmother used to knit incredible sweaters, just beautiful stuff. And... Um, you know, people would ask her to make a sweater for her and she would never charge nearly enough for the labor that she put into it. But we've we've just evolved so dramatically since then that opportunity to to bring, you know, I'm looking on the website now, like metal products, uh, th- these beautiful numbers you can put on your on your home is just one example of how scattered seeds can maybe create, can be the impetus for this and, and, and start a little bit of a spark you get that one-on-one connection and then boom, your online presence can kind of take it the next to the next level. Fair to say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do, once again, I don't think there's anything that can replace the face-to-face um, interaction and, and meeting the people, you know, that you are buying your product from. Um, it, it's just uh, a way to... It's just so encouraging. I think it's just so encouraging to makers. And, uh, yeah, as you said, there's there's so many amazing products and talented people in this province. It's really incredible. And it is such an honor for us to be, for me, to have been a part, even a small part of their success. Um, uh, I just can't say enough about 
how blessed I am by that. Well, Deb Schwartz, we very much appreciate you joining us. Thank you for your your passion and your honesty on this, uh, because it's clear that you care about the, the people that you support by creating scattered seeds and giving them a place to go. So it's Red River Exhibition Place. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, Are there any tickets left for this weekend? Yes, and and we're really encouraging people to buy them online. Um, They're available through our website. And uh, if possible, if you can buy it online, it it guarantees their entry. We we also, this year we've... um, for safety, we've lowered capacity, and so we're also selling tickets on for two-hour time periods. Uh, this way we can keep tabs on capacity and make sure it never feels too crowded inside. And so for everybody's safety, we've done that. So if you can buy your tickets in advance, that would be great. There will be some available at the door for those who don't use the Internet. The scatteredseeds.com is the website. Deb Schwartz is the CEO. It's this Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and next Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Thank you very much, Deb. We appreciate this so much. Thank you. And it, a- oh, I cut, I, cut, I cut you off. What were you about to say? I was just saying have a good day, and we hope to see you. You uh, come, by the, uh, come by the Red River X this weekend. Okay. Thanks. I think I might just have to, either this weekend oh. or next weekend. You want Brett to go. That is your moneymaker right there, Deb. <laughs> he cannot control himself in this kind of market, so uh, well, you should only invite him. And it's Brett. payday on Friday, so look out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I need art for my apartment, and I'm sure. looking there. There's a whole but There's a place called From My Angle Photography. There's custom pet portraits. There's uh, there's also, if you like honey, there's one company called Bee Barf Honey. Oh. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This sounds like a great time this weekend at Red River Exhibition Place. Scattered Se- TheScatteredSeeds.com. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.